Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Some time ago, I was driving with my wife, and I remember it was, uh, it was raining, and uh, it, was, it wasn't too bad. Uh, it actually died off. It was raining hard at one point, and then it died off, and we were driving, and um, I don't know if this ever happened to you. You were driving, and you saw something like the last second before you hit it, and you thought to yourself, it's probably not a big deal, and, and then you said to yourself, I hope it's not a big deal, and, uh, and it was a, a pothole filled with water, and uh, you're like, you don't see it to the last second, and then when you hit it, you're like, thump, and you think, wow, that was a lot deeper than I thought it was. How many ever hit one of those before? We live in Pennsylvania. Everyone's hand should be up. Come on, somebody. All right? It happens, right? You're driving, and, and you can't see the depth of it, but man, you, when you hit it, you realize it, it, was not, it was not shallow. It was not shallow. My wife goes, what was that? My wife says. And I'm like, uh, pothole, I think. You couldn't tell. It was, it was rainy, right? Everything shines, and then it's filled with water. So it's really hard to see until the last minute, sometimes too late. And that reminds me of how sometimes life can be that way too. You can be driving on the highway of life, so to speak, going through things, uh, going through, you know, things, routine, things that you're used to, right? Driving and, and all of a sudden, something, you hit something, you're like, where did that come from? I didn't ask for that pothole to be there, but it was there. It showed up. And it was covered by things that were happening around it. And there are times that we ourselves, things happen and we're going, how did that, where did that what in the world just happened? Anybody ever been there? You been there? Well, the pothole of life sometimes hits you and, or sometimes you hit it, right? And what made it tricky was it didn't look very big until you got closer, right? And the closer you get to it at whatever mile an hour you're driving, especially if you're on a highway, you don't have a lot of time to react, right? And there are times that we have to realize when we're going in a certain direction, especially in God's direction, how many know what I'm talking about here? When you're going in God's direction, the enemy loves to cover up some potholes. He loves to cover them up. He doesn't want you to know it's there. He just wants you to kind of do that. And I want to talk to you about something this morning about, about what drives you will later describe you. What drives you will later describe you. And my title this morning is simply titled, Driven to His Presence. Driven to His Presence. And sometimes we're running to this and we're running to that and we're running and we're running and we're running. Busy season. And we don't run as much when it's cold because we're indoors a lot. But when it starts getting warm, people are all over the place, right? You can tell after a rainy day, if it's a rainy day, you know, there's not much traffic. The next day, you'll see all the stores are packed with people. If it's a nice, beautiful day, the next day, people are out driving, stores, whatever. Because that rainy day kept everybody in. But when it's sunny out, man, we want to see things. And, you know, I think God wants us to see a lot more than we see sometimes when we're 
kind of to ourselves. I believe God is calling us to be driven to help other people see Jesus. God is calling us to, to be driven to help others find the, find the Christ, the Son of the risen Christ, the Son of the living God, right? The one who is uh, bought, the one that bought us with the price of his life. That's hugely important. So I'm going to ask you today, what drives you? Like, what do you get up in the morning wanting? What do you get up in the morning longing for? Some of us are like, well, a cup of coffee would be a good start, right? And I understand that, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what what makes you get up in the morning? Because for some of you, and I know this is true for a lot of people, for some people, that paycheck's not enough to, to like really motivate you. you. You go to your job, but you survive your job, right? I'm not asking about what job do you have. I'm asking you, what is your passion? What is, what is it that really makes you tick? Tick. Tick. What makes you go? And I, I, I want to kind of submit to you this thought because driven people, they try a lot of different things and they often stumble upon the one that they should have saw the first time around. And a lot of times it's simply this, the presence of God. Because the presence of God, all things that are unclear become clear. In the presence of God, all things that are unknown become known. In the presence of God, all the things that are not possessed become possessed. In other words, the things that we never had, we're like, wow, if I would have known this, I would have done this earlier. How many ever said that statement before? Right? If I would have known this. Chase, would you grab me that stool real quick? If you would, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. I want to preach and I want to teach a little bit, if you, if you allow me. Thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Is it right if I sit down with you guys and have a chat? Is that all right? You're sitting. I figure it's okay if I sit. Now let me ask you this. Is it good to be a driven person? I would think that most of us would, would argue, yes, it's a good thing to be driven. But I love here what it says because some of us sometimes are driven to the wrong things. Like we have this passion. And, and that's the one thing about being parents is, and I think anybody that's raised their children, whether they're, they're fully raised now or not, I think you would, uh, you would agree with me this statement. That the biggest struggle that we have sometimes is, is help us to curb our children's desire because they have a lot of passion, but sometimes they have passion for the wrong things. So, 1 Corinthians tells us a little bit about how to direct our passion. And here is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And that's a real simple statement. But I would, I would probably gather that it's not as easily done as it is said. Because there's a, lot of, there's a lot of pride out there to be had, yes? There's a lot of pride to be had. If you're good at something, you know, sooner or later, if God gives you too much information, you kind of put God on the shelf. You say, God, I got it from here. I think I have an idea what we're doing here. That's how it comes. Sometimes God doesn't reveal his whole will to you. 
How many ever felt like that before, right? You like, you get a piece of his will. You're like, I know what I'm supposed to do here, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do after that. You know what? Sometimes that's by design. Sometimes God doesn't want to give you the next thing because he wants you to rely and trust in him because if he gives you too much, you run with it. And for some of you, you know it because you found out some things or you thought you did and then you ran. And then you come back to God saying, really, God, I kind of, I really thought this was what I was supposed to do. But. And then you all of a sudden have to be like, God, I repent. I'm sorry. I ran off. Kind of did my own thing. But, God, but, but I love how uh, Paul's saying here to the church in Corinth, he's saying, whatever you do, eat, drink, whatever you do, do it all for God's glory. Some of you are like, I know, Pastor Tony, because when I get up in the morning and have that cup of coffee. You drink and you sip and you go, to God be the glory. Jesus, Java, I get it. But it, it has to be more than that. And I think we know that. I think most of us know it has to be more than that, right? So many of many times, let me just kind of teach this for a moment. Because many times we as believers do things for self-glory, right? For instance, let's take an example here. After the flood and Noah's day. Remember that story? How many remember that? A group of people decided they were going to build a tower. They were going to build a tower. Nothing wrong with building a tower. But the Bible is very clear that they wanted to make a name for themselves and build a tower. And they wanted to find their way to heaven. They wanted to get there on their own effort. That, my friends, did not go over well with God. They wanted to be famous and avoid all the, uh, to be scattered all over the world. They wanted to, they were wanted to do it. And, but all of a sudden, something went terribly wrong, didn't it? Genesis chapter 11. That's man's attempt to get to God. And God scrambled their languages. It's often called the Tower of Babel. Know that story? They tried to do it on their own. And because they wanted to be empowered by themselves, God said, well, here's the deal. That's not how it's going to work. And he split their tongues and they were all over the place. And so then we have a sharp contrast of that where First um, Corinthians tells us whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, where King Solomon dedicated the Ark of the Covenant to the newly constructed temple. And he said this, I have built the temple for the name of the Lord. Right? So here we have the Tower of Babel and the temple of God. One was made by man for man. One was made by man for God. And that one was blessed. 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 20. Then he prayed, may he turn our hearts to him to walk in obedience to him and keep his commands. Who's with me? You see the sharp contrast? For those, that the reference point is, again, 1 Kings 8, 20. Very sharp contrast. Very different views. Man trying to get their man's way. Man trying to give their glory to God. Which one succeeded? By all stretch and all imagination, no matter what you, how you slice it, it was always going to be better when you give it to God and you give him the glory. Because when you're driven in the wrong directions, you're driven for the wrong reasons. You with me? When you're driven in the wrong directions, you're often driven for the wrong reasons. So, 
allow me to teach two very di- about two very different results for a moment because two very different drives brought two very different results. When our greatest desire is to bring glory to God and walk in obedience, we become driven people who seek God. When we're driven by ourselves, we're driven people who seek self and pride. See, here's a secret I want to unveil to you today for a moment. Can I share with you a secret? I like breaking secrets. Here we go. You ready? Pay close attention. Your passions will either draw you to God or away from God. Rarely does it hang in the middle. If it does, it does so for a short time. But eventually, your drive, your passion will drive you one way or the other. How many can say amen? Come on, talk to me. You hear what I'm saying? Your drives will pull you to God or away from God. For those of you taking notes, I want you to know something. There is no middle ground. None. None. There's no middle ground to the, to the glory of God. God doesn't share that with any of us. He doesn't share his glory. He'll share his love, his grace, his forgiveness, but he will not. Look at me. He will not share his glory because he is sovereign and we are not. He will not share that with anyone. So when it's time to give him glory, give God glory. What does that mean? Regardless of your story, give God the glory. Come on, somebody, regardless of your glory, give God the glory, right? Well, no matter what your situation looks like, give God the glory. Because when you lift him up, things happen that are far beyond anything you could ever do by yourself. Who's with me? God first wants us to be with him instead of just going, following behind him. We want to be with him. Trust me, you want to be alongside the Savior. You want to be alongside him, seeing what he sees. A lot of people, they just, they don't want, they don't want a fellowship. They just want to be told what to do right. Do you remember how the Israelites did that? Moses was like, there's a mountain we're going to climb. And they're like, no, you go and tell us what God said. You go, Moses. We, we're not going to go. You go to God and you find out what's going on and you tell us what he said. We, we trust you. You go. That's your job. How many know it's not God's job to pick one person to tell everybody all the time? The reason for the New Testament church is that his Holy Spirit was poured out to every man, woman, boy, and girl. Did you hear me? Every man, Woman, boy and girl, he wants to be in everybody. And when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have that Holy Spirit living within you. The gifts are things that are rewards of those who diligently seek him. So the gifts are different than the inbound. The the, The presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit is in your life. When you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in you. Now we want to pray, God, show me how to use the giftings that are accessible to me. Now, I don't just want the indwelling, but I want the infilling of the Holy Spirit to help me figure out what in the world is happening around us. How many have looked at your news lately and said, what in the world? I did that at the gas pump the other day. 
I said, what in the world? <laughs> right? You need, I need like, Lord, Holy Spirit, and supernaturally fill my tank with a lot, lot less dollars on that thing. More gallons, less dollars. Supernatural, right? But truthfully, we need the Holy Spirit to guide our steps. Amen? Drive out your sin or your sin will drive you out of God's presence. You with me? Drive out your sin or your sin will drive you out. Exodus chapter 33. Let's look at this for a moment. Exodus chapter 33. Beginning in verse 15 and 16. For those of you that have your Bibles, verse 15 and 16 says this. Then he said to them, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Let me ask you this question. How many of you prayed that this morning? I don't know how many of us prayed that. Unless your presence shows up, I don't want to go to Freedom Life. I don't want to go to church. I don't know if you prayed that. I pray God show up. I came anyway and said, God, I'm praying you show up. I'm praying you powerfully touch people's lives. But what a bold statement. Why? Because he wasn't going to church. He was going through life. He was going to make a big decision. Unless you go with me making this decision. Look at me. Unless you go before me, God. I don't want to go. Some of you make decisions hoping God will follow you. But God is saying, he's showing us through this specific passage that we are to ask God to go before us. Unless you go with us, I can't do this. Right? Unless, unless you go before us, I won't go. So let me read on. For how then will it be known that your people... And I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. We, so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. You know what? Look at me. This is the cry of those who know God, those who follow God. I want to be separate. I want to be different. I don't want to look like everybody else. I don't want to act like everybody else. I don't want to react in fear. I don't want to panic. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? I don't want to panic. Who's done panicking? Who's done worrying? Who's done living in fear? Come on, I didn't get 100%. I asked three questions. I got 17 people. Who's done living in fear? Who's done living in doubt? No more anxiety. No more pressures of this world. No more trying to get approval by man. No more trying to push the envelope just so that I can move on. I want God to go before me. And I need God to fill in the void. Because when I fill in my own void, I mess things up. And that's exactly what he's saying. He said, unless you go before me, I can't do this, God. I want to be driven by your spirit into your presence. Because in your presence, there's fullness of joy. Moses was ordained by God to lead his people. But some things happened, didn't it? Moses had some things that seriously went on. When he led these people, Exodus 33, 2, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites. Listen, God says, listen, you're going to just show up and I'm going to send an angel and he's going to drive out all the bad folks. The Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jesuits, and the people who fly kites. <laughs> all of them. That last one, that's paraphrased. 
He's going to drive all of them out. Why? Because God will go before us. Come on, somebody, say it with me. God will go before us. The reason why sometimes God doesn't go before us is we haven't prayed that way. He's allowing you to be able to be the person that dictates your future. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want me to dictate me. I have trouble when that happens. I make some critical errors when I lead I or or I lead myself or when I am in charge. I need the Holy Spirit's direction. Lord, show me how to do this. Moses refused to go out without the presence, 33.15, Exodus 33.15. Unless your presence goes with us, I will not go. How many are willing to pray that prayer? Come on, somebody. Unless your presence goes before me, I will not go. Friends, we got to stop making empty decisions without saying, God, if you don't go before me, I can't do this. And then when things blow up, we're like, God, you left me. God, you've forsaken me. I don't know. I don't know about you, but it has to be in his presence. So I I wanted to kind of bring to you the three forms of God's presence for for this this message here this morning. And and allow me just to teach a little bit of that because we have to be driven into his presence. How many know his presence changes things? Yeah. So let me me teach a little bit of this for a moment. Number one, the omnipresence of God. Say with me, omnipresent. Omnipresent is when God is everywhere filling all things. Omnipresence. Come on, this is a good note-taking moment right here. Omnipresent, God is everywhere, right? And then so we see back in 1788, John Wesley wrote a sermon called On the Omnipresence of God. He called it Sublime Subject. He used this text, Jeremiah 23, 24. He wrote, do not I fill heaven and earth, says the Lord. I love that. If you take a look at Jeremiah 23, 24, God implies, don't I fill everything that needs filled? Don't I fill the voids that you're looking for? Anything you ever needed, I fill it because I'm big and I'm God and I'm sovereign and I'm good. God is making, you know, God doesn't always blow his own horn, so to speak. He's God and he's sovereign. He can very well. But when he does, he makes a very clear statement. All the voids we have in our life and all the feelings of void, uh, for the lack of a better term, all the feelings of voidness or the feelings that we feel when we feel like, man, something's not right, something's not settled. Those are the ones where God wants to fill. When something doesn't feel right, he wants to fill that void. So he's saying very clearly here in Jeremiah, he's saying, do not I fill heaven and earth? Aren't I the one that, uh, am I not the one that, that fills that void? I'm omnipresent. I like what Wesley said in this, in this message I just referred to. He said this, there is no point of space, whether within or without, of the bounds of creation where God is not. I love that. There's nowhere where God is not. Now, you say, well, can God be with their sin? Well, that's, that's, that's a lo- there's a long answer to that. But what I'm trying to say is God has free reign of his creation. And there's nowhere you can't find God. And that's what Jeremiah is implying here. It's not that he is, you know, well, can God be with their sin? Well, that's not what he's trying to say. So you got to look at the implication versus the text. And you got to look at it and say, God is basically saying, there's nowhere that you can pray that I won't be there. There's no trial that you've ever been through that God is not 
been able to meet you there. Are you following? So this is what Jeremiah is really implying here. So we're looking at it that, that God, there is not a place in this world, in this creation where God is not. So let's look at number two, or rather, uh, the base of this text here is Psalm 139. Let's look at Psalm 139 for a moment. Psalm 139 says something awesome and super interesting, and you could preach an entire message on just this verse. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? Watch this. I believe this was a, a, I believe this was a Psalm of David. And he says this, if I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. God is present everywhere, whether we realize it or not. Friends, look at me. God is. He is omnipresent. Let's look at the second uh, manifestation of his presence and it's simply that manifest presence manifest presence this is when God is in action when you finally come to him and you struggled with this decision that decision you say God I need you to show up and all of a sudden God enters the room by his Holy Spirit and touches his people the manifest presence of God some of you uh, you know some of you like oh I felt the chills on that you know you know think well maybe that was the AC I don't know but sometimes watch this sometimes God will enter a room and just rest on us he will rest on us and it's a, a, a different type of presence he's already in you right as believers he's in you but there's a, a portion of his Holy Spirit that rests on us and we look at this uh, let me kind of compare it like this in the new in the Old Testament and New Testament the Holy Spirit responded differently with man so we look at the Old Testament and, and this even happened in the New Testament at times where in the Old Testament the anointing would rest on people they did something and then the, the anointing was then lifted and we see that throughout text right where the Holy Spirit would would be on people and then at other points he would then lift that from that right and then there are other points in the New Testament where God filled a believer and then from that point on you know, there's difference between infilling and that manifest touch of God. What we ask for when we come into a room like this is not, Lord, enter me, because he's in you already. What we're asking for is the manifest presence of God. We're asking God to heal hearts. So we're asking him to help manifest, let, let the manifest presence of God fill the room. We want God, watch this, God in action. You with me? We want God to show up and act on our behalf. We want to see God in action. Who's with me? Because that's what we're praying in essence, right? When we ask for his presence, we're asking for the manifest presence. And in Genesis, the Holy Spirit was very clearly present when God spoke. When he spoke, he spoke action. Let there be what? Light. Light happened. We look at the manifest active presence of God as God in action. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, Genesis 1. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. God was driven by his word. He spoke it. And that 
happened. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want God to consist, consistently put hit the, the drive of the Holy Spirit at the forefront of everything that I do. Lord, I need you to help me with this. Holy Spirit, I need your help with this. What are you driven by? Because if you could handle all of life's circumstances without the Holy Spirit, why would he even bother giving you the Holy Spirit? What's the use, right? If we could answer all of life's problems and situations, what, what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? In our life, God wants to do a lot more than I think we, we give him credit for. So some folks picture God as a faraway being. He lives in the heaven and occasionally, like, visits, like that weird cousin or uncle of yours. You know, he shows up at Thanksgiving, kind of shows up like, hey, how you doing? Haven't seen you in a while. How's everything? Eats your food, acts weird, makes everybody feel uncomfortable, then leaves. And you're like, what just happened? Right? Like, the Holy Spirit is just going to show up once in a while. I don't know about you, but that's not the kind of relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want that to be weird. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is weird like that to some people because they, they don't get into his presence. Then they show up at church and, and God's touching somebody and somebody over here is crying and someone's over here with their hands lifted. And you're like, what is happening? Why is all this happening? And you, Because you haven't been in his presence to understand. God will give you discernment. Oh, that person, God is working on that person's heart. Oh, God is doing this over here. And you, you're not close enough to understand, so everything's weird. So you know what we do when something's weird? Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? When something's weird or you don't understand, you're like, okay, uh, that's good. That's the, that's the cue. Peace. Right? I'm God. That's it. Why? Because we don't understand God in that respect. But what I want as, us as believers, I believe God more so, Wants us to understand his presence and that everybody responds differently. Some people can lift their hands. Some people can eat. God manifests in, in, in everybody's life a little differently. So just because you're there with your hands lifted doesn't mean they got more Holy Spirit than you. And just if you're sitting there with your hands crossed doesn't mean you have less. I just know one thing is for sure. I express because I am so grateful. Because if you would have known me before you know me, you wouldn't want to know me. But God knew me while I was still a sinner, and yet he still died for me. And I'm grateful. So I don't mind showing that. Well, that's because you're a pastor. No, I was doing this long before I was a pastor. I was grateful then, and I'm grateful now. Come on, somebody. How many are grateful for the presence of God in your life? Amen? The manifest presence of God. God in action. I love, I love this because our God is the God of love, if you believe it, say amen. God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. He's, he's available to everyone's heart and mind. Okay. That said, God is creation's environment. Think about that for a moment. God, if he's truly God, I need you to let this sink in for a moment. Because this is bigger than our scope of how we see God. Are you ready? We see God as a central figure that enters a room, touches us, does whatever he does, and kindly leaves. But that is not God. 
everyone in this room, we are subject to the environment that is God. He's everywhere. So in fact, while God is in us, we are <laughs> in God. Now, don't, don't, don't turn this into a weird theology thing because I can see how that could turn weird. But what I'm saying is he is in everything. Like God is in a lot of things. And by that, here's what I mean. He is available if you're at your job and you need to pray right there and then, he is at your job. God is so big that the universe cannot contain God God contains the universe. The universe does not contain God. God contains the universe. Guys, that's the God we pray to today. That's the God we serve. We don't serve a God who kind of can sort of maybe, if it fits his schedule, slip you into the 415 slot. The universe, as ginormous and as humongous as it is, is you can go into a, you can talk to a scientist and they'll tell you the universe is this, this, that, something, the other. God holds the universe and contains the universe. Universe doesn't contain God and can't. Nothing exists beyond God. So before you think for a moment that God is intimidated by your circumstance, don't even for a moment doubt that he can't come through for you. That's the kind of God we pray to, the God that is and contains all things. Amen? Now don't go and say that Pastor Tony said God is a tree. Not what I'm saying at all. Not even close. What I am saying is there's no depth you can go, no height you can go where God can't meet you. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, our sovereign creator. Amen? Everything that exists dwells within God. Just as the sea is the environment of the fish, God is the environment of his creation. This is his world. He created it. And while the enemy is having his Little moment, trust me, when I tell you right now that when he, when he creates the new heavens and the new earth, he's going to have no say in any of that. Because my God is going to create a beautiful heaven and a beautiful earth, and God wants you involved in that. Amen? I'm here on earth for only a short time. I'm just here to recruit. That's my job. As believers, our job is to be here and recruit. That's our job. But we got to be driven to do that. Amen? Somebody say amen. amen. There's only one God, because God fills every place in the heaven and earth, there's no room for any other. There's no room for another. Third thing, is that good? Is that helpful? Is that encouraging? Because you thought maybe this is just God is big. Yeah, God is not big. The universe is big. God is so much more than that. So the third thing, we talked about Two presents so far. The omnipresence of God. Say omnipresent. omnipresent. Manifest present. Third one is the personal presence of God. This is God abiding among his people. 
Now, we are driven by different things. There's a picture. Was there a picture in the beginning of that? Uh, there was a one on the first, first, second, or third slide. We're kind of driven by personal presence sometimes. Can you show that one with the, yeah, that's, that's the way we are sometimes. This right here is a great idea of what it looks like when we ourselves need that catapult, the Holy Spirit. Hello? We are so slow to understand God. We're so slow to get God and understand what he's doing that we just need a boost. Anybody ever need a boost? Apparently, Harry over here needed a boost. No, it's not going to end well. My wife said it's not going to end well, but... But that's man's way, right? We get somewhere fast, but it doesn't end well. Listen, that's not how God wants you to live. He doesn't want you to, whoa, I got there fast. <laughs> well, that lasted just a few moments. You got there fast, all right. But how did that end for you? Not too good. When God breathed into man, he breathed into them so they could be eternal. Did you know that? That when God breathed into Adam, he breathed into Adam so Adam could be eternal. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the earth, excuse me, of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. God always wanted to be his a part of our lives. He wanted the personal touch with you. And since the fall of man, we've been trying to find our way back. And God says, stop trying to find your way back and just find me. Listen to my voice. Did you know when he was in that, that garden? Look at me. Did you know when he was in that garden and he said, Adam, where are you? Did you know that God wasn't asking Adam where his location was, but where his heart was? God knew where Adam was. He was asking Adam because Adam didn't know where Adam was. Men, ask for directions. <laughs> Some of you are like, wait, how did that turn left real fast? I'm like saying amen, and you're like, oh, wait, what are you saying, Pastor? Rude. But this is true, right? God wasn't asking Adam where he was because God lost him. God's not like... You know, I, I'm tracking Adam. Adam! Oh, oh, he's this way. You're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. Like, God wasn't tracking Adam with some God positioning system. He wasn't trying to track Adam. He was trying to, he was trying to ask Adam if he knew where Adam was. He said, where are you? And it's the same question I ask you. Where are you? Are you driven by yourself and your personal ambitions? Are you driven by the loving God who gave his son for you? Because if you're driven by yourself, the turtle and you have a lot in common. But if you're driven by God, you have a lot in common with Solomon, who, did, who not just built the temple, but dedicated it and said, I want people to find you in this. Every call that God has put on your life, now look at me for a moment. Every single one of you, I hope you could follow me, Cor. Listen, every single one of you 
that have a calling on your life, I need you to understand something. God has never called you to confuse you. God has never called you to confuse you. You know what he called you to? To confirm what you already sensed deep in your spirit. Because many of you, when you were in, when you were in that state you were in, that state before you met Jesus, it's almost like an unconscious state, <laughs> and you were woken up by the love of God. When you were walking in that state, you knew there had to be more. Yes? How many of you, before you came to Jesus, you realized there had to be more? And you said, there's got to be more than this. And you said to yourself, man, I, I wish I understood what I'm supposed to do with my life. And some of you are like, oh, Pastor Tony, I'm sorry to break it to you, but I still feel that. The first step is know Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Plain and simple. Give your life to Jesus. What does that entail? That entails you saying, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I've messed up. And once you get that part right and you submit to his word, there is a God positioning system in place through the Son of God and his word that will lead us in the right direction. And so what I'm saying to you today is when God breathed into Adam, he had a plan for him. He was driven by his love for him. And that right there is enough to start any journey when God breathes into his people. John 14, 16, and I will ask of the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Who's that advocate? Anybody know? Holy Spirit, man. So here's what I want to leave with you. Salvation isn't about getting man to heaven. Salvation is about getting God into man. It's not just about checking off a box so I can go to heaven. That's called fire insurance. I don't want to go to hell. So accept Jesus and all these cool little perks. And now I'm safe. It's so much more than that. It's God in us. Look at me. Everyone, look at me. God in us. That makes the difference. It's not just about man going to heaven. It's about God coming in the man. When Jesus came, it wasn't about making bad people good. It's about dead people coming alive again. Being set free again. To have life again. Because that's what God remembers. He remembers when he... How many of you remember... How many of you, how many of you had a child and you remember when that child was little? Right? Little. Once upon a time. They got big fast. And they got expensive real fast. Yeah. Right? So what I'm saying is, you remember that moment because it was that moment. Did you know that God remembers when he breathed into Adam? God remembers that. And he longs for that moment again where the only thing going through our lungs is his breath, is his life, is his mission, his purpose for us. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying to you this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What am I saying? The church simply needs to get back to the presence of God. 
The word dwell, dwell in his presence. I need you to understand that that word dwell comes from the same Hebrew word habitation, which doesn't mean just comes and rests on you. It means it lives in you. To dwell with God means to live with God. That means every day. You get that? So when God is saying, I want you to dwell with me, and I want God to dwell in you, and I, that word, and specifically the word habitation, it's a place of resting for long term. Many people want a visitation. I don't. I want a habitation. I want God to be with me, remain in me. And that's what abide is. Abide is to remain in him. Who's with me? One last thing, and I'm going to close with this thought. The Ark of the Covenant. How many remember the Ark of the Covenant? So a little picture of it on the screen there. That's what it looked like as, as far as the description um, the Bible talks about. The Ark of the Covenant had three different things in it. You ready? It had Aaron's rod. It had the pot of manna and the stone tablets. Did you know that each one of those... It was a symbol to more than just itself. See, God operates in symbols throughout Scripture. You know, from time to time, it is what it is. But a lot of times through Scripture, you'll see this thing that God had put in place, and you'll see it as symbolic to something else. A lot of symbolism in Scripture. Well, I want to kind of bring this real quick thought here that the Aaron's rod, remember Aaron? important part of the Bible, right? He kind of was a very intricate part of Moses and that whole part of Exodus where the people were delivered and so on and leaving Egypt and Aaron had a rod. That rod was inside the Ark of the Covenant. Guess what? That is the resur- that in a lot of ways shows that resurrection power that God is able to bring people out make them live again you ready you hearing what I'm saying the Israelites were not living they were existing in Egypt they were not living how many of you know they were not living their best life now come on right they didn't have Joel Osteen's book or anything like that they were just right they didn't have none of that they, they, they had only they could only cling to one thing hope hope that I would be delivered again hope that I would life again hope that we would be delivered and free Aaron's rod was that resurrection power, that hope again. Revelation was found in that pot of manna, also representing in a lot of ways revelation. How when when they were like, how are we going to eat? God every day gave them manna. Every single day gave them manna. Come on, somebody. How many know we need to hear from God every day? Fresh manna, fresh manna, fresh manna. You know last week's manna doesn't taste as good as today's manna? So if the only time you're hearing the word is just Sunday to Sunday, you don't crack open your Bible, then you wonder why your life is stale. It's because you're eating last week's manna. God wants to bring fresh revelation. Somebody say it with me. Fresh revelation. Fresh revelation. We need to get that fresh revelation from God every single day. And the third thing is simply this. That the stone tablets of the law was a symbol of bringing uh, order to disorder. People didn't know how to exactly follow God. So this, the tablets were a way of saying, this is where I'm going to bring order. You know what that showed? Restoration. God saw brokenness and he wanted to restore them. And how did he do that? Bring order to disorder. 
Is that helpful? Because there's disorder in some of our lives. God wants to bring order to disorder. You know what he wants? He wants resurrection power for you. He wants revelation for you. You know what he wants? You know what he wants from you too? He wants restoration for you. If you find yourself trying to figure things out, just say, God, I want your presence. I want to be driven to your presence. I want that resurrection power. That resurrection power. I love it because I came across a statement that you're probably going to hear again as we approach Easter. And it's simply this. I need everyone to look at me for a moment. Look at me for a moment. The soldiers didn't roll the stone away, right? Well, let me say it like this. The stone wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out. The stone was rolled away so that everyone could see that he was gone. God had already taken care of it. Resurrection power. It wasn't about letting Jesus out. God took care of that. Rolling the stone away was about letting us see that he's no longer dead, but he's alive. How many are grateful for that resurrection power? Amen. Here's another thing God wants for you and for me. Ready? Revelation. Fresh manna. And we find that when we live in the presence of God. Like the people of Israel going through that journey, that wilderness. Some of you are like, Pastor Tony, I know all about wilderness. Don't preach that one. I know it. Save the time. What got the people through that? The presence of God, the manna, the revelation. Third thing, what did he do? Ultimately, the goal was what? The promised land, right? To what? Restore people just like God wants to restore his people today. And in a lot of ways, the only way we can be restored is if we're driven into his presence. A lot of people are driven to the bottle to drink, driven to the bank account to feel like that somehow that's going to be their peace, driven to their job. Some, some, there's some people listening to me right now, you do all this overtime at work because you can't face what's going on at home. Ouch. You do all these other things and you don't pay attention to what really matters because you're afraid you might have to answer some questions. I'm here to tell you, the only way you're going to find revelation is to trust in that manna that God will provide and restore years that the locusts have eaten. Amen. Would you join me in prayer right now as we desire more of his presence together? Can we do that? Here's what I want you to do right where you're at. If you're at home, just close your eyes for a moment. And, and I want to ask you a question here. And here it is. Maybe just lift up your hands for a moment. Close your eyes. And, and the question is simply this. What now? What drives me? What drives me? What do I do with this? So my prayer is that no matter if you've been in the Lord three months three years or 30 years that you would be able to lift up your hands right now and say God 
I want to be driven by more than just my own personal ambitions. I want to be driven into the presence of God. I want to be driven into the presence of God. Let every one of us, God, decide what it is that will drive us. Lord, the personal benefits that we get just by being in your presence is where we want to be. I pray for resurrection power. I pray for revelation. And I pray for restoration in the name of Jesus. Come on, stand to your feet. Keep your hands up. Stand to your feet. Come on, join me right now. You can throw that last slide up. And here it is. How driven are you? Come on, just lift up your hands. Father, I pray for every person with their hands lifted right now. Every one of them. Every single one. Lord, there's a lot of things in this world that will try to drive us into the hands of another person or another job or money, fame, something or somewhere. They just want a change of pace. Lord, we try to find other answers when all along the only answer that really matters is you. You, God, help us to stop being so stubborn and trust you. And that when we're driven into your presence, your omnipresence, God, all of you, everything is so big that the universe is contained by you. The universe doesn't contain you. Lord, thank you for your omnipresence. Thank you for your manifest presence that when we pray, you touch us and you minister to us. Thank you for that manifest presence. Let that be true. Let that be con constant in our lives. And the last, that personal presence of God in our lives, Lord. I pray that we would never just be about uh, going to heaven, but really about bringing heaven to other people and bringing other people to know who you are. We don't just want to go to heaven. We want to show heaven on earth to others let them know that there's a very real God that loves them God I pray in Jesus name allow us to follow you all the days of our lives in Jesus name we pray hallelujah hallelujah don't be afraid of this quiet moment church 